0: Welcome to the Unrestricted Podcast. My name is Emily. And my name is Han. And our mission is to spend 15 minutes each week discussing your eating disorder recovery related questions. Thank you so much
1: for being here and we hope you enjoy this episode.
0: Hi, and welcome to this episode of our podcast in which Emily and I will be answering the question, how do I prioritise rest? Now, we are recording this episode the week before Christmas. So whether you are listening to this over the festive period, that has the potential to be quite busy, or whether you are listening to this at another point, we hope that you find it a useful time to reflect on whether the movement and the busyness and the activities that you are involving yourself with are conducive towards your recovery. And I think I'd like to delve in straight away with speaking about how when I was in energy deficit and when I was not engaging in recovery properly, I didn't sit down very much. And any spare five minutes that I had, I would try my very, very best to fill uh, and when I reflect on this um, with with my hindsight that I can use now, fully recovered, but of course I had slight glimmers of at the time, I can see that the distraction that I was using there was done in a way to avoid my mental hunger. And that constant busyness, be it the cooking or the cleaning or the nipping out and the, the popping here and there, was really an avoidant strategy to fill time, to fill space, to just get rid of that free tr- time, because that free time felt like a threat to me. And it's because I really, really wanted to deep down just be eating. Clearly, that's what a body in malnutrition is primed to do just encourage that person to eat. And the avoidant behavior that I was using there was occupying myself. So I basically couldn't be doing that thing that my body, if I did give myself that that time, that pause, would try its very best to encourage me to do through cues of mental or physical hunger.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that for me, the initially, this was something that was almost subconscious, that mm-hmm. drive to be moving and busy. And I don't mean exercise in the way that it is presented I mean any kind of movement I mean popping to the shops for someone because they need it something or being the one that jumps up and goes and does the washing up um being the first person to say oh yeah no I'll pop that pop to the post box for you or saying oh yeah no I'll run upstairs and grab that for you or anything at all just that that busyness, that drive, that very visceral drive to be moving and doing didn't consciously present to me as I am doing this because I am distracting myself from hunger, or I am doing this because of fear of weight gain or fear of unrestricted eating. It didn't present like that. It was very sort of subconscious and a a visceral thing and felt like, this is just me. Yes. I'm just a busy person. Um, and whilst that's something that has always been true, I've always been sort of, I don't know, ready to get up and do stuff and have fun and go and, and help and try and be somebody that helps. When I was in an energy deprived state, that was massively hijacked and just became something that dominated. But I suppose the point I'm trying to make is if you're in the place right now where you don't consciously view the movement you're doing as being driven by a, sort of biological response to malnutrition, I'd really ask you to reflect on it because doing this in my recovery was so important. When I started to be aware of this drive to be moving and doing and busy and up and helping, and this is so relevant around Christmas with all of the opportunity to jump up from the table and go and help with all the washing up and be that person who rushes around collecting all the wrapping paper and does the odd jobs and helps with the cooking and helps with this really being reflective of what is driving this Um, and I think for me having that self-reflection and becoming more aware of the fact that this was potentially a stalling mechanism, a distraction mechanism both subconsciously and consciously to avoid the thing that my body really needed to be doing which was to be sitting and resting.
0: Mm Yeah yeah and I share that experience 100%, Emily, with it not being sort of set out from the beginning of the day with the intention to necessarily distract myself from mental hunger. It being more of a biological drive to just go get up and, and do the things. And I'm really not liking, liking that time where I was away from any any busyness. And I think one thing that you touch on there is, is sort of that idea of being that martyr who who Mm. does the thing who goes as you say to the post office or um, picks up that one thing from the shop that someone else needs and really just pops out and then pops back and is always occupied I think for me it's it was really interesting when someone else volunteered to do that job be that they tried to uh, clean the, the the table after dinner or they tried to potentially Um, unload the dishwasher I would become or or inside I would feel quite angry that they were sort of taking my job and that's not the true me that's not my value system of someone else trying to help me out being um, sort of seen in in any sort of negative way but I remember this sort of biological feeling of threat that I wouldn't be able to do that productivity movement or that Mm -hmm. type of um, activity at that time which I then got into habit cycles of doing, and I think that's where this goes a little bit further. And, and this conversation could be extended well beyond this. So then you get into this just a, ju- this just becoming something that you do, and you don't really think um, you don't really think anything of it because it is just something you sort of do from the very beginning of the day. But as I say, that's certainly a conversation for another day.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. We could delve into that big time. And I relate so much to that sense of attack when somebody else would make the offer to do the washing up and feeling, again, it really comes down. I want anyone listening to this to hear. When the more progress I made to recovery and the more I forced myself to sit down and to eat, the more I was able to consciously become aware of what was driving that and more aware that that wasn't me, that that was my eating disorder and that that was my starved body in that very sort of compulsive energy um, deficit mode of, right, we've got to be busy. We've got to eat scarcely, be busy because there's not food in this environment. That malnutrition driven response. And it's so important, therefore, to be forcing yourself to sit down and to do the eating. And I know maybe the language forcing doesn't sound very comfortable, but that is the best way I can describe what I had to do. I didn't wait to want to sit down. I didn't want to not be the one jumping up and help. And I remember very clearly feeling like every single cell in my body wanted to go and do those things. But actually, by forcing myself to stop, two things happened. One, I became very quickly aware or more aware of the what was driving that. And also I unlocked this or connected with this deep, deep knowing that actually I was exhausted and I wanted to rest. And it's what my body was desperate to do. And that in itself was something my Eden sort created conflict around. But you have to press into that. You have to remind yourself it's okay to be listening to that core you who is actually tired and wants to sit down and wants to rest. And you have to often force yourself to be able to unlock that, to show your body, to connect with your body. But when that does come around, if that does come around, reminding yourself it's okay, it is normal and natural to want to rest and to enjoy
0: doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. And I think for me it was a case of the solution to all of this being simple beyond what I could comprehend as the answer. And it was, as silly as this might sound, just stopping. And where, if someone would have said that to me when I was in recovery, I probably would have bitten their head off with a really <laughs> angry response of, I can't just stop doing those things. But ultimately, when I did go into that commitment phase of there's no way that I can't do this, it was actually a lot less complicated than my eating disorder was making yes. it out to be. And I think when you say I, I have pulls towards doing those things, things do need to be being done. Potentially you're a mum, potentially you are caring for someone else, potentially you have roles which you do need to fulfil. If it's at all possible, try and dispense those for the time being until you get to that place where your actions are innocent and not driven by compulsion or let go of any of those peripheral things that maybe you take on and do to the nth degree Mm. and and really try and do what what is in short the bare minimum and really try and connect as as emily just said with your body that is that is going to be exhausted but this movement is probably going to be shrouding that in some way and giving you as we've spoken through before this kind of false sense of adrenaline energy and before uh, we started recording this emily and i both spoke through how important it is to have a scheduling of time Mm. off in the same way that you might schedule your time on so let's say you are someone who loves a to-do list or someone who um, does just fill fill up their day with popping to the shop and then popping here and then doing this and then that and and being that person who jumps up it may be important for you if that feels so innate and so normal for you to start saying, okay, I need to actually set measures and boundaries to make myself not do that thing. So what am I going to plan for my time off as I would kind of be planning my time on? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think two things there. One, like you said, be
1: really brutally honest with yourself about what actually needs to be done. Because there's no doubt about it, Recovery is something which for many has to happen in the context of their lives and those involve responsibilities. But there is also often overlap between what is a crucial responsibility and what is actually just eating disorder, compulsive movement, compulsive productivity driven extra stuff. So really be honest with yourself and look at what fills your time. Get busy delegating. You know, lean into support around you, pass over responsibilities where possible and where you aren't able to do that. Really, you said the words bare minimum. That is absolutely spot on. You know, really get honest with yourself about what the bare minimum is that you need to be doing, because the priority needs to be recovery. You have to remind yourself that you are in recovery from a restrictive eating disorder and that rest is absolutely fundamental to that process. And then get intentional about what you are going to do instead of that stuff. You know, it's, it's important to get clear with yourself about what your commitments are. So I am not going to go on those walks. I am not going to be the first person up who does the washing. I'm not going to do any washing up this Christmas. Getting really clear with yourself about what your commitments are, but then also getting intentional about what you are going to be doing instead. So get yourself a list of films that you want to be watching over this festive period, or Any time of the year, get yourself a list of films, get a list of books, get a pile of jigsaws, anything at all that you can use as a restful distraction. And by that, I mean something that keeps your bum on a seat or a bed, but your mind may be slightly occupied and get doing that alongside and in conjunction with the food, Because the one thing you really have to understand is that one of the main reasons why there is this resistance to rest, which, as we touched on previously, can be either conscious or subconscious, is because the you who rests is going to connect with your body, which goes, oh, wait, is it? Are, are we here? Is this the place where food is available? Is it? And your body is going to communicate tiredness and hunger immediately and that is therefore something that you have to create the space and time to honor and it is very very normal for that to come quite quickly when you stop the movement and it is also very normal to feel a sense of conflict between the eating disorder wanting to demonize that um, desire of your body to rest and eat and also you and your core self thinking I really want to just sit and eat lots of food. That is what I really want to do. And I really want you to know that that is okay. That is your body screaming for what it needs. And I recently heard, um, I can't remember the lady's name, but um, really, really um, wonderful sentence that I just think is so powerful and so relevant in many areas of recovery. And it's this concept that your body talks and whispers to you, before it has to scream and shout. Mm -hmm. And so when you are in recovery, very much of the experiences that we have, very much, that's not a word, very many (laughs) of the experiences that we have are that our body is screaming to us. And so when we do stop and rest, it can very much feel like you get hit by a... Truck of tired and a sledgehammer of hunger, and that is your body screaming and shouting at you what it needs, and it is okay to lean into that to embrace it. It does not mean it will go on forever. As I say, your body screams and shouts, and that is something that I really want you to hold on to.
0: One hundred percent. I think that the final kind of point that I wanted to make here um, is about almost this this permission that you have to give yourself to rest. Uh, and it being of course a long term thing it not it isn't just a a recovery thing that you can sort of listen to your cues and sort of um really pay attention to what your body is communicating to you it is a a, a lifelong thing it's not something that has a expiry date mm-hmm. but i would also say that another thing to consider here is it's it's in no way um linked to your physical state and it is as appropriate for somebody who is um, at the sort of lower side of where they have been weight-wise to someone who is potentially already nutritionally rehabilitated or what what's quote-unquote weight restored. And, of course, there are um, nuances that we could go on into uh, with sort of the, the weight question um, itself. But I think irrespective of physical state, We also need to be considering how important rest is for your neural rewiring. And it's not just Mm -hmm. about being cleared from any sort of safety risk of movement, because a lot of the time, uh, any other health professional might give you that green light to to go ahead and and be um, busying up your schedule again. And I think it's really important that you start considering, if I continue with this lower level movement... I am going to be stuck in my eating disorder because it's still something that's serving the eating disorder. So first of all, um, not seeing this as I'm past that point of having to be careful with my physical Mm -hmm. activity from a physical point of view. But also really, really tuning into the fact that when Emily and I are speaking of resting here, we're not talking about taking out those sort of overt um, formal exercise type of things. We're talking about anything lower level, anything which you have any suspicion about that that's not quite right and that's not something that I want to be doing after recovery. And it will have some distinct air of compulsive com- can never say that word compulsivity <laughs> around it um, which you which you hopefully can grow more and more suspicious about until the point that you just stop. Yeah, absolutely. When we say rest,
1: we mean sitting or lying down. We don't mean going for just a little stroll or doing some stretching or doing some yoga or just popping around and organizing. No, we mean actually sitting yourself down on a sofa or a chair or your bed. And resting, really, really digging into what that means to give your body the space and time to be able to get completely and utterly healed and to completely neurally rewire. And your point about um, the it not being sort of the formal exercise is so relevant because I know in my recovery, I wasn't somebody who struggled from the sort of more formal exercise gym running, etc. Mine was very much more lower level movement and productivity. You know, I had a real issue with feeling like I could get to the end of the day and think, right, I've been productive. It's been a productive day. I've done this, I've done that. And that was just as important for me to challenge as it would have been if I had been someone who'd gone to the gym lots. Um, and I remember definitely my eating disorder heard things that were said to me that made me feel a bit invalidated in terms of why I needed to be resting but it's so important here to listen to your intuition and to know that that lower level movement has if not more potential to Mm -hmm. continue that neural um, network and to keep traffic going down that system that keeps your eating disorder alive and you really do have to Get very curious about turning over every single stone and tackling every single tendril of the eating disorder in order to get yourself completely free. And that absolutely does mean tackling lower level movement and tackling that productivity
0: urge. Definitely. Definitely. So I guess my um, final parting words would be get into that discomfort zone and mm-hmm. sit with it. And, and I mean that very, very literally sit or lie with it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I will say it is OK to enjoy rest, both <laughs> in recovery and forever.
0: Yeah, I love rest. I absolutely love it. So um, that that would be a, a final point for me to give a big thumbs up to Emily. Yes
1: perfect right wishing everyone a very very merry christmas because i imagine this probably will go out a few days before um and yes lovely to looking forward to starting again
0: in the new year with more more episodes thank you very much for listening bye-bye bye